Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. But the one thing that I'm one of my skills that I'm very good at, I'm very poor at a lot of things, but one thing I'm very good at is when I realize something's going to work, I go hard. And he said, where are all your clients? Who are all your clients in the city? I said, well, they're all bankers. They're all lawyers, solicitors, CEOs, CFOs. He said, are those guys hanging out on Instagram or are they on LinkedIn? And the light bulb just went off. I was like, oh my God, they're all on LinkedIn. Today's guest is Gav Gillibrand. Gav has gone from being a male stripper to a leading online fitness trainer. Gav's stories are fun and engaging, and also we can learn a lot from how he is building his business. What I love about Gav is by his own admission, he has a go-hard mentality when it comes to building a business. This mentality is often found in most successful business owners, so it's no wonder he's doing so well. 10 years ago, he saw opportunity with LinkedIn which wasn't known for fitness trainers back then. He went hard and has built a huge following of over 33,000 followers, and it's still growing. Since most business leaders get busy, they often let their weight and health slide. Gav shares with us his no-nonsense way of approaching weight loss. In this episode, plan to be inspired by Gav's go-hard mentality and great story, learn how Gav thought outside of the box and use LinkedIn to grow his business and discover how to get your health and weight in control with Gav's common sense methods. This is a can't miss episode. Gav has so much to share that we can learn from. Hope you love this episode and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hey Gav, thanks for being a guest on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. We've been super excited to talk with you. How are you doing today? Excellent, my friend. I'm just really glad to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Ah, yeah. Great to have you. Hey, I want to start out with uh, you telling us a little bit about your business, what you do, and then we'll we'll move on from that. Absolutely. Well, my whole business is based around helping people lose weight and really busting the myths, the misconceptions around the fitness and health industry because so many people are confused. And this is largely down to uh, the, the world of celebrities doing one thing, all these crazy diets that come out. And 
most of the clients, not all of them, but I would say 95% of the clients I, or potential clients I speak to have got these, these myths have been perpetuated over the years. They really are misinformed. Like, you know, people that are making a lot of money, doing very well in business, they're just very ill-informed about how to lose weight and stay in shape. And it doesn't help when they see celebrities or magazines endorsing these crazy diet plans or schedules. And it, it almost makes them feel like they're a bit of a failure because, you know, if someone's maybe in their late 40s with two or three kids trying to hold down a you know, powerful job, have they got time to go to the gym five days a week? Have they got time to prep all their food? So they end up resorting to either one, not doing anything, and two, doing something that doesn't work. So my idea is, my philosophy is just telling them exactly what works, but showing them how they can still lose weight, achieve their health and fitness goals, but at the same time have a life. Because no one wants to be prepping their food and living out of Tupperware. Not everyone. If you're not, unless you're a fitness competitor in your 20s, that might be what you want to do. But if you're an average person, I'm in this industry and I don't even want to do that. You know, that's not my goal now. So how the hell is someone that does know knows nothing about it? You know, when you tell them to start eating chicken and broccoli, it's not going to happen. So I'm trying to get rid of all the myths surrounded and give people actionable steps. Like anything in life, you know, there's there's a lot of noise, but if you focus on two or three things, they're the things that massively move the needle forward and you get the most bang for your buck. So that's my my aim. And my big platform, as you know, is um, is LinkedIn. We'll talk more about that because it's what really gravitated me towards you, your approach. Sure. I have a long history just as a, an individual uh, studying diet and health, and I've tried a myriad of stuff. So we'll talk about that. But before I go down that path, I wanted to, I know COVID threw a wrench into your business, how, how you operated prior to COVID, and you had to pivot your services. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and what you were feeling as you were going through that? And did you envision how this would play out? Yeah, well, I'll be honest, um, Tyler, it wasn't actually much of a pivot. I actually accelerated what I was already doing. And I'll I'll give you a little bit of a background. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people in my business, it really caused a, a big problem. So I guess I was lucky in that respect. So I'd actually been online for about a year and a half, two years before COVID hit. It was a, it was a mix of a couple of things. You know, I was I got into I got back into fitness quite late, although it was my first love when I was like a teenager. I don't know if you know my I had a, a bit of a, a career change. I will mention this, you know, from the age of sort of 19 to 35, 37, actually, before I stopped, I actually was involved in dancing and worked as a male stripper. And it was the best time of my life. And that's a long story. But I did my degree in sports science with a view to getting into doing what I'm doing now. A long story short, I pivoted then, dropped fitness and got seduced by the, um, the potential lights of Hollywood. Obviously, I didn't make it to those dizzy heights, but I had so much fun, you know, traveled all around Europe, no real job. And I mean that with the most respect, as in it was just being paid really well, cash in hand, all the trimmings. It was almost like being famous, but without the without being famous. So you can imagine, I'll leave the listeners to fill in the gaps there, you know, so you could, and this is back in the 90s where you could get away with anything. There was no social media. You know what I'm talking about. It would have been, it would have been great to be super famous in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. everyone's under the microscope, aren't they, you know? I love it. I was kind of avoiding the whole male stripper thing just so I don't have to check the box when I upload this uh, as X-rated. Um, it's a great story. <laughs> I, I, I do want to, I, I want to dig down a little bit more though, just in terms of, most of your viewership, I believe, is on LinkedIn, and you have a huge audience. 
Because normally you don't think of LinkedIn and fitness and health. You think of it as a business platform. Yeah. How did you see that? Like, because you've kind of changed it now. Now you see all these people jumping on with a wide variety of services. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I was actually on LinkedIn about 10 years ago, but I didn't even know you could post. It wasn't a platform I used. And and funny enough, I had about 2,000 connections, but they were all in my business. So I didn't really understand what LinkedIn was. Like everyone was Facebook and then Instagram. And and then I actually had a coach about four years ago. He was the guy that helped me. He was a, he was a PT and he'd moved into teaching guys like me how to transition their business from one-to-one personal training, which is what I was doing in London. And I was in the square mile, which is, I guess, like the equivalent to, say, Wall Street in New York. I was in that financial district. And I moved from there to online. He said, have you, have you looked at LinkedIn? I said, well, I've got a LinkedIn account. I've never posted. And I literally remember going on there thinking, where do you post? Didn't know it was a thing. But the one thing that I'm – one of my skills that I'm very good at, I'm very poor at a lot of things, but one thing I'm very good at is when I realize something's going to work, I go hard. And he said, where are all your clients? Who are all your clients in the city? I said, well, they're all bankers. They're all lawyers, solicitors, CEOs, CFOs. He said, are those guys hanging out on Instagram or are they on LinkedIn? And the light bulb just went off. I was like, oh my God, they're all on LinkedIn. And they're scrolling just as much as everyone else because they're addicted to the internet like everyone is, but they're a bit more professional. They think they're a bit better because they're scrolling LinkedIn. I thought, hang on, all my clients are on LinkedIn. So I went hard. I I started posting two, three times a day, started adding everyone. And I got very quickly up to about 15,000 followers in that first year. And then it was only, say, two years ago, I thought, actually, there's something to this now. This is where it really is going to be. And almost to the point where I post on other platforms, but I don't get any clients whatsoever. I think I've had one client from Facebook. I don't advertise don't get any from Instagram. So Instagram is just a bit of fun for me. So I'm all in 100% on LinkedIn. And it just changed my business. Without LinkedIn, I wouldn't have built the business that I have today, if I'm honest. Another thing that I, I think you might have a great skill at, I'd love to know if this is a skill or is this hard luck? Is it just trial and test? You seem to align yourself with people that provide a very high level of service. So we've shared a few people you work with, your video person, your editor, really top-notch people. And I've had the benefit of watching you evolve and your content keeps getting better. It's creative. It keeps true to what I think are the core basic fundamentals of health. Can you kind of take me through that? Is that a skill you have or is it kind of just trial and error? Yeah, well, as you know, I worked with Shay Robottom and that was last year uh, was a bit of a perfect storm. So LinkedIn was, I'd started doing video about six months before I worked with Shay and I knew the power of video, but I literally was doing what I would call live video, where you pick up the phone and you would record yourself for two or three minutes. And then I was editing it myself, as in there was no edit. I was just adding subtitles to it. But the problem with a video like that is you get lots of, um, uh, you get the R's and the ums, yeah. and you get the information across, but you're, you're actually trying to remember what you have to say, even if it's a subject that you know really well, because there's no script. Now, what Shay taught me, as you know, from my videos is to write the script and only deliver one line at a time and then cut. And then it, so it looks like it's free flowing. So every single word is perfect. There's no missed, there's not even, there's no er, uh, there's no R's, there's no gaps. So a 90 second video 
probably gets the same information across it might take someone six or seven minutes with and it's free flowing so that happened I actually worked with her last May and then it was a mixture of the other stuff that I've been putting out on LinkedIn then COVID so it all came together now if you th- think about what I was doing before I got back into fitness I've I always fancy myself as a bit of an entertainer and I've always I'm probably think I'm a bit more funny than I actually am I like <laughs> to think I'm amusing but I probably inside I think yeah, I'm really funny. Now, I'm not, I don't think I'm a stand-up comic, but I like to think I'm reasonably amusing. That's my own ego talking. So once I started with the videos, I actually thought, hang on, this is a brilliant platform for me. So one, I can get the message across. And what I've realized in business, if you can make people smile at the same time as informing them, that's when they'll become a client, if they resonate with you. Like for all the people that like my videos, there's equal amounts of people that think, you know, he's a, he's a jumped up idiot. I don't like his style. He's a bit cocky. And I understand that. But what I've also learned in business is that that's exactly what you want. You want to repel the people that are never going to resonate with you. And when you repel those people, you also attract the people that vibe with you. So a lot of people spend so much time putting out vanilla information thinking I want to make everyone happy when you put out boring vanilla information you're going to still annoy those same people that don't like your information right so you may as well be as true to yourself as possible but my personality has always been to push it to the edge not offend people intentionally but I want to get people thinking I don't agree with that or I really resonate with that and that sparks up conversations it gets traction it gets people commenting, and that's when more people see your services. So yeah, I actually love doing the video. I really discovered something that one I'm I'm quite good at. I don't. It doesn't take me. I write those scripts in ten minutes. I really write them very very quickly. I'll record them in ten minutes, send them off to the editor, boom, and out they go. So, but you're right. Finding new bits of information to make it creative. That's a, I literally I've got no strategy. I wake up each morning and think, okay, what have I not spoken about? Hmm, okay, maybe I'll talk about that. How can I put a spin on it? I've got no formula. Whatever comes to my mind, I'll put it out there. Sometimes it, you know, it hits the bullseye, it goes does well. Sometimes it doesn't do so well. But I've also learned one thing as well. If you can be self-deprecating at the same time as providing information, people like that because no one likes to think that someone's untouchable or on a pedestal. And I certainly don't think that. So if I mess up, I tell everyone I've messed up. If I, you know, make a mistake or if I'm drinking or I had a pizza and a burger and, you know, I tell everyone that I'm human just like everyone else. So I think the average person resonates with that and they're more likely to connect with that. And when people connect with you, that's when they become a client. Hey, your point about getting your audience to have an emotion one way or another, they either love you or hate you. That's gold. I mean, that... Uh, I had a guest recently. He articulated a little different, but exact same thing. He called it self-select. So basically give your audience a chance to either self-select you in or self-select you out. It's up to them. But you want that. If you keep them in the middle, you get nothing. You get nothing. So that's great advice. Switching gears a little bit, you do have a tremendous skill in terms of you say some things on LinkedIn that I would never say just in terms of the colorfulness of it is what I'll say. I, I, honestly, I'd be a little too scared to say it. So you have a way of delivering it. You know, the whole, do I make you horny line? Now I need, <laughs> think I need to check the box. Uh, but you sell it in a way where it's not offensive. Like if, if nine other people did that, they would get probably reported and it just, 
it wouldn't work. Yeah. What's your claim? How do you do that? Like, how do you get that so it's acceptable? It's, it's a good point. And I don't know. I think that is just naturally comes to me. And if I look at my whole life, if you were to ask close friends and family, they would say, the ones that really know me, they would say, yeah, Gab pushes it, but also knows when to pull it back. And I, I'm glad that that message comes across. So you're right. I'll drop, you know, a few F-bombs, but I'll bleep them out. But at the same time, I'll then pull it back and bring the audience in and make them feel included and not intentionally offend someone. So it's not like it's not like Gary V style, which I'm, I actually like Gary V. I guess that a lot of people think, you know, he curses too much. And I understand that. I think I don't think it's as much as that. But I, if you can make someone smile, it's almost like apologizing. You know, have you heard the phrase? I can't think of the phrases. Right? Or do the act and then apologize afterwards rather than. Did you, Absolutely. Yeah, you're right on. Yeah, I, I unfortunately can't think of the phrase either, but I know exactly what you're talking about. You just ask for forgiveness later is, is the tail end of it. Go, I don't know. I'm going to have to probably voice over this in. That's it. We'll have to find out. I can't remember it. But yeah, that's it. I, I get it. And you're right on. I mean, you just do it and then you just kind of figure out. <laughs> you, you just apologize and make amends after. And occasionally you're going to trigger some people and that's okay. And it's not like, right, okay, how do I trigger people? But when I put a piece of content out that I know that people, some people are going to resonate with, some people are really going to disagree with, that's what, exactly what you want. Because not intentionally to annoy people, because as we said, it's that self-select. You want people to go this way, you want people to go that way. Because those avid fans, you know, when they when they go that way, they're going, to, they're going to resonate with you and they're going to become a client. So I don't think it's necessarily a skill. I think I've learned that that's just my personality and the video and the platform of LinkedIn has allowed me to kind of express how I am. I'm always like, I always try and find the, the funny side of things is not the right phrase I'm looking for. It's not like if something serious happens, but I like to put a, an amusing spin on nearly everything but without trying to offend people. So I'm glad that that, me- that message comes across in, in my video. How I see it is you just have a great skill for connecting with people. Like you get that, that what you do, it just connects, it resonates and, and you keep it real while doing that. And I think that's probably what gives it balance. Another thing I want to bring up, I've heard you say you're a six-figure business and your next goal or one of your next goals is to become a seven-figure business. How do you envision getting there? Like, what's your scale plan? What do you do? You have some ideas what, what it'll take to do that? I could do with another pandemic where everyone <laughs> freaks out, and I, I take that. I don't actually mean that. I don't want that. I'm. I'll be honest. I, I hold my hand up. Last year was crazy for me for business. I literally tripled. I tripled everything, and it was actually in mid-May where it literally went ballistic. It was a mixture of working with Shay, doing the videos I'm doing, the pandemic, and a few other things. I think a lot of people previously had excuses like a lot of the men I work with mid 40s early 50s flying all over the world and they use the typical excuse of I don't have the time now we know that and they know deep down that it's an excuse everyone's got time for the things they find valuable you know if you've got something that's important to you you find time we've all got 24 hours but these guys were having these conversations they were like I've got no time well hang on I'm not traveling I'm actually at home I can actually either cook all my meals or my wife or my husband are cooking my meals. There is no excuse. And a lot of these guys have got a home gym or those. So sudden flux of clients. So long story short, an awesome year. Now the problem is now, how do I replicate what happened last year? So the, the answer to the question, how do I scale? 
I'm still trying to find the answer. Can I share my thoughts? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So this is, you see this in a lot of businesses, but there, sometimes you'll see them in legal firms, you'll see it in accounting firms. What happens is when these firms grow, you'll have a partner or a leader in the firm and they become the face of the firm. So they're all about the business generation. They're the front end of it. I could kind of see in your model what you're doing already. You're kind of laying the groundwork is you're going to be the front end of your business. That, that probably won't go away. You're going to be the one that is, for lack of better words, maybe the mascot, the one that goes out and, and, and gets that interest, gets that emotion, captures people. And then you're going to get them into your process. And then it's a matter of bringing in your coaches. I think one thing, we've had discussions about this a little bit. I think as you be, bring people in, probably you're going to have to start messaging to set expectations that coming into your community is with different people. That transition may happen because that's the only way you're going to grow. You're not going to be able to do it yourself. No, you can't do it on your own. Yeah, you're going to have to figure out how that, I think setting expectations and and how your model works as you grow, I think will help. But in my opinion, what I've seen from you and, and what I know about you, it'll happen. It's just how will you put that in place to make it happen? Absolutely. And I have started. I've got, I brought in another coach to do the work and I wouldn't want to replicate, I would want to replicate the finances from last year, but I couldn't actually replicate what I did to make that because I was literally burning the candle both ends, but it was because it literally just blew up. I wasn't going to say that's not what I want. I went with it and it was for a six month. It was a crazy six month period. And now as we've come out of that and things are starting to get back to normal, we're opening up. I know that the states is very different. Every every state is different over there, and some are opening up, which seems crazy when you think about it. That's America, isn't it? You know, but <laughs> no comment. Well, yeah, but it goes to. I mean, I think you can get the UK into Texas alone about five times. Wow! So that's the scale. So we're like one of the smallest states. We're like that compared to America. So it's a different world, isn't it? In a way, and it's almost like you've got fifty different governments in a way, isn't it? With one, anyway, it's another conversation. So um, I've started that scale up and I'm looking at different avenues, but I'm very confident that it will happen. But it won't, you're right, you can't get to set seven figures on your own. Talk to us about, I know your mantra is really about a calorie deficit. I want to start getting into health and why it's important. In it. And let's start with calorie deficit. Why is that important? How does that separate some going to combine a few questions here. How does that separate from a keto diet, a low-carb diet, all these different diets that are out there? What makes calorie deficit the way to go and why is it important? Absolutely. Well, believe it or not, all of those diets only work by being by taking someone into a calorie deficit. And this is the, one of the myths. And look, here's the thing. The calorie deficit, the actual phrase, has only really been popular maybe in the last four or five years. We knew that someone had to eat less, slightly less than they were burning, because that's the only way that someone loses weight or burns body fat. But the actual phrase, a calorie deficit, has become popular in the last couple of years. I'm not sure where that's come from. Like, if I think 10 years ago, I knew how to help people lose weight, but I never actually said, right, we're going to focus on a calorie deficit. And just to clarify to everyone that's listening, calorie deficit is where you're burning more than you're taking in. Now, so go back to that quick the question, what's the difference between a calorie deficit keto and low carb it's not the keto diet as as people know is obviously a a, a very small amount of carbs but predominantly fat and protein however that's just the source of fuel that the person's taking in the mechanism of them losing weight they're still they still have to be in a calorie deficit regardless it's like putting 
you know, in the UK, we've got two sources of fuel for the car. You know, when you top up the car, we've got a normal unleaded petrol and diesel. I know you guys call it something slightly different, but you know what I'm saying. Right. So the car runs on one fuel or the other. So that's the same as you can fuel your body with carbs and a little bit of fat and protein, or you could go all fat and protein, low carbs, which is keto, or you could do South Beach, which is high protein, low carb, or you could do Atkins, which is super high fat. You know, they're just different methods to get the same result. Now, what people think is that our oh, keto is this amazing way it makes you can eat whatever you want. No, you still have to be burning more than you're taking in. I know loads of people that do keto and are still overweight. And what we've often seen with them, they're not even doing keto. What they're doing is they're doing a low carb diet and they think they're in ketosis. Being in real ketosis is not much fun because until you get there, it can be very, very powerful. And I'm a fan of keto, but what I don't prescribe to, I don't push it on my clients because it's not sustainable for most people. For some people that love it, great. And I've tried it before. And it's, you know, but the difference is I like carbs. What I say to most people, we can help you lose 30 pounds in the next 12 weeks. Now, do you like carbohydrates? And they say, yeah, of course I do, because most people do. Well, do you want to do, do you want to lose 30 pounds eating carbs? Or do you want to lose 30 pounds without any carbs? Now, nine out of 10 people are probably going to choose the, the carb version. But the keto, the zealots, you know, the, of keto, they'll say, oh, you know, this is the only way. This is the best way. You feel so good. Look, absolutely. If you like it and don't enjoy carbs and, and find and don't find it restrictive and can it suits your lifestyle. I've had clients that join my program. They say, yeah, I like a keto lifestyle. I say, you know what? We're going to do keto because it doesn't make any difference because they still have to be in a calorie deficit. You know, but for the average guy, let's say the guy's 260 pounds and he spent 15, 20 years being 60 pounds overweight. If I said you're going to eat 20 grams of carbs for the next 12 weeks a day, what's the chances of him actually sticking to that? Like realistically, like an apple is 20 grams of carbohydrates. Like it's hard, but it's hard enough for someone that's obese to even think about reducing calories, never mind cutting no beer, no pizza, no bread no muffins, no bagels, like that's not sustainable for most people. Some people can take to that and do it. So I'm not, it's not that I'm not a fan of keto. And I, I always say, oh, keto sucks balls. I said that in one of my posts. I don't actually believe that. It's actually very, very effective at helping people lose fat. But it got the attention of all the, the zealots of keto. Oh, you can't, I can't believe you're saying, look, I don't care how you get into a calorie deficit but you have to be in a calorie deficit to lose body fat. So it's almost like there's a hundred ways to achieve the same thing, but the mechanism for how the body loses body fat. If someone says, well, I'm in a calorie deficit, but I'm not losing body fat. Well, by definition, they can't be in a calorie deficit because if they, if they were, they would, because that's physics. And I didn't make the rules, you know, her upstairs, she designed it all. You know, <laughs> if you want to come back on a different planet and you can rearrange the rules, but that's just the law. It's just the law. If you're, if you take in less calories than you burn, you will lose body fat. Now, those calories can be any source of calories in any methods. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You know, I've done a lot of different diets and I agree with you. Keto is awesome. If you can get past that period to actually be in ketosis, it, you get a euphoric feeling. Uh, energy yeah. goes up. It's awesome. Absolutely. Well, the problem 
is it's at least for me, and I'm not speaking for everyone, it's not sustainable. And the minute you go down the wrong path and you have carbs, if you want to call that the wrong path, you're now back to square one because you've knocked yourself out of ketosis. You, you've come out of ketosis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just wasn't sustainable for me. How I like to look at it, and I'm a big believer of the cal. And the other thing with ketosis, I always find amusing is your point. It's not magic. At the end of the day, if you run the calories that you're eating, it's directly tied into calorie deficit. So, and I think people get that confused. I think they do have a perception that you can just eat all day long. Definitely. The truth of the matter is you can only eat so much bacon and so much fat that you end up just yeah. eating less of it because it's so f- filling. But well, the way I like to look at the calorie deficit for me that really works, and I str- still struggle though, I get off path, is I look at it like a bank account, it's kind of a reverse bank account. It's a reverse bank account, yeah. If you have 2,300 calories, like let's say for me, I can do 2,300 calories and probably sustain at the same weight level. So I just kind of look at it that way and I go, well, if I exercise, I get 2,500 or whatever that happens to be. Yeah. And I kind of just look at it that way. And, and that works for me. I think what I find challenging in that model is um, still making poor food choices where you can suddenly, you know, if you do eat Twinkies, using that as an example, I, hopefully you know what those are in the States. Those are- uh, Yeah, I do. Yeah, we don't have them, but I know exactly what they are. Yeah. Okay. The problem is if you eat those types of things, you tend to crave more types of things like that. That's it. And it's easy to go from, you know, 2,300 calories to 3,500 calories. It just does takes nothing to do that. And so that that's the one challenge for me personally, in that model that I struggle with. Absolutely. How do clients overcome that? What do you, what are the tools that you do to kind of help them? We get them to track calories. And and here's the thing. Most people one I've only met one client in the last three years doing this particular program online. When I explain to them in their first conversation, their onboarding process, I tell them how many calories are in a gram of protein, fat, and carbs. And out of the, however many I've worked with in the last three years, there's only been one that actually knew what that meant. And for the listeners, there's there's four calories in a gram of carbohydrate, four calories in a gram of protein, and nine grams in a... And that is simple. So if, if that's like saying, you know, how much is a dollar worth? And if, if you like, yeah, a dollar, I've heard of it once before, but no, I've no idea. So that's basically the level of knowledge that people have with nutrition. So if you ask me to, you know, how much is a, a Mexican peso worth? I wouldn't have a clue. You see what I'm saying? That's the reality. So one, people don't know the value of what's going in and they don't know what carbohydrates do to the body. They don't know the the value of protein. And a lot of people still think eating dietary fat makes them fat. So this is like the equivalent of of almost trying to teach economics to a one-year-old. Like if you said to, you know, we've got a nine-month-old downstairs. If I said to her, right, okay, this is a dollar and, you know, this is a value of something, she'd be like, that's so most people starting with no clue about what how nutrition works. And then somewhere along the lines, they've been told that to go on a diet, they need to cut carbohydrates because that's the first myth. Right. So what do they do? They just they've got this figure, they don't even know what it is they're taking in. They don't know how many calories they've got coming in. And they just pick a random amount of food to cut. They think, oh, I'll just cut all my carbs. I'll have no pasta, bread, cereal. And they go into a calorie deficit, but they don't know that they've got into a calorie deficit. So the first thing to do is actually teach them. And the only way to do that is to track the calories. So we use MyFitnessPal on the phone. It's a free app. I actually get clients to upgrade for the sake of 30 bucks for the year because there's a few features on there that that we need. And I get them to log their food. In the first week or so, it's a bit tedious if you've never done it before. You know, you you literally have to scan, you know, the back of a, a packet or a tin or put in 
one banana and it will come up the calories and we don't need to be accurate 100 accurate and even if you were being accurate you're not being accurate because you know if you scan a sandwich from the local deli it might say 500 calories but it could be 450 or it could be 560 we don't know but it's to get a rough idea of what's coming in when we've got a rough idea and you mentioned the bank account i will say to clients if i said to you tyler i want you to save 10 grand as quickly as you can the caveat is i'm not going to tell you what money you've got coming in i'm not going to tell you when it's coming in and i'm not going to tell you how much your mortgage is or your health payments or your car payments so you've got this a load of stuff coming in here don't know what's going out there that's basically how people diet and try and lose body fat so can you see with that philosophy how the hell does anyone get results and this is why most people are struggling so what we're doing is basically we're logging calories like you would track your finances your budget it's a budget we want to know what's coming in and we want to know roughly what's going out and we unless we track that in a lab we won't know but we want to know okay i burnt 400 calories so and if we start to lose weight we know that we're in a calorie deficit so it's simple maths it really comes down to the numbers it's it's actually so simple physically it's very very simple mentally it's very very tough for people because they're like they don't understand they're like oh they feel so restricted so the hardest part of what I teach people is the psychological aspect of losing body fat. The actual the skill set is can be taught in half an hour. The mindset stuff, that's what we spend most of the time on the coaching with. I like the way you break that down. Very cool way of breaking it down into a model of inputs and outputs and understanding those. I think that gets confused by a lot of people. Another thing yeah, is the precision of it. I think I think people think like everything's you know, exact to the point, you know, is the banana 75 calories or 85. And sometimes you'll see like four different calories. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme, even burning extra burning weight. A lot of times these devices that tell you how much weight calories you're burning, they're not even that accurate. They're oftentimes, they're not accurate. You know, they're 20 to 50, even 50%. I've seen them be off in terms of overstating. So it's really just following that process and understanding there's a little margin of error in it and not being too precise. I think that gets people caught up. Hey, I wanted to ask you, so you focus around the entrepreneurs. What, what do you think causes them? These are generally smart people, educated people, successful people. Why don't they, I mean, why don't they make this a priority? What do you think causes them to not deal with it and, and ultimately need you, your services to get them on track? Absolutely. I think one, maybe they don't actually realize they don't value their health as much as they possibly should. And, you know, unless it's been a passion of theirs from an early age, you know, a lot of the clients I've spoken to, maybe they did a lot of sports or activity at school or college, but then, you know, life gets in the way, they get married, they have kids, they're building a business. Unless it's something they really, really enjoy. And typically a lot of people have tried things because again, there's that misinformation. If you try something, it doesn't work. How many times do you keep trying it? Like, unless you, it's almost like people are banging their head against the brick wall. So it's almost like, well, you know, this is this is it. I've always struggled losing weight, so this is my lot, you know. And I've tried everything; it doesn't work. Maybe it's my genetics, or you know, well, my mum and dad are a bit overweight, so I've obviously I've got their genes. Put fat on, and you know, I, I'm 48 now. I can't be like I was when I was 21. So there's a lot of self-limiting beliefs come into it. So. It's a mixture of all these things, but a lot of the time as well, we hear, I don't have the time to exercise. Now, if people actually realize, anyone says that, if they realize how powerful eating well and exercise was, the very thing that they're trying to create, 
building business, building their company, making money would actually be accelerated if they just spent half an hour on this a day. But they just don't know that. They just don't know the value of that. The way I liken that to is no one, I didn't have a good education around money. Like we didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid. We weren't super poor, but we weren't wealthy. And don't recall ever my mum and dad sitting down and telling me how money worked. No one told me to save any money. So that's, I'm the equivalent of someone that is doing, didn't, wasn't told the benefits of health. You know, so a lot of the guys I speak, they might be making seven figures and have pensions and stocks and shares and millions net worth. But so I'm the equivalent to them. I mean, it's changed the last five years, but up until my mid thirties, I didn't save a penny because I didn't, wasn't shown the value of putting a hundred dollars or a hundred pounds away a month. If I'd done that since the age of 18, we'd, I'd be financially free now. And you know that's the equivalent because no one just I didn't know the value of money. I didn't realize that how important that was. So when someone is you know maybe in their late forties, early fifties, and they said I've never exercised for thirty years, which is very common, but I I kind of know that it might help me. It's like hello, you know, they just weren't educated, and they realize that it just needs a few simple tweaks. It's not going to take hours and hours every day. And I think also as well, people are scared that there's a misconception of. When I say losing weight and diet to most people, not everyone, most people, it conjures up images of rabbit food and salads and restriction and elimination and gym every day. And if I go to the gym, I'm going to see all those muscle bound guys that make me feel insecure. And that is not the reality. That is not what it's like. All my clients get to eat all their favorite foods and still lose weight. And they don't even have to go to the gym. Like I got the best results last year when no one could go to the gym. You know, and you don't want to do activities that they don't enjoy. So, again, it's one of those misconceptions of what fitness and being in shape is to what the reality is. And I'll try and show people what the reality is. You can still have a life, enjoy your foods, and you don't have to go to a gym if you if that's not a, a comfortable environment for you. So in terms of the benefit of your services, what I'm hearing is you work with on mindset. It sounds like accountability, education. Is there anything else in terms of your services, what people could expect and what they get out of outside of weight loss? I've seen the testimonials and obviously a lot of really good results, but anything else stand out? It's really accountability and also having a plan that works. I think what a lot of people, when they try and lose weight is they, because you can have all the drive and the motivation in the world, but if you're on the wrong path, all you get, I think it was Tony Robbins said, um, motivation it's not what it won't get you to where you want to go. Like if you're on the wrong path, all you get is a motivated idiot. Like you can, you can be going down this road. I don't care how motor I'm, I'm, I'm up every morning, but you're going to get somewhere that's not the right destination. So one, you've got to put people on the right path as in teach them about calories and how it works. But two, the accountability with the group coaching. When I, someone comes into the group that's maybe, you know, doesn't have the best self-esteem, self-image, when they come into a group with eight, nine, ten other people, which I've got in the group at the moment, and they realize there's guys and girls all over the world that are in exactly the same boat as them. And if she can do it, I can do it. If he can do it, I can do it. And that's that accountability. Now, what I would get my clients to do is at the end of each coaching call, rather than me telling them what to do, I get them to tell me what they're going to do. When they tell me what they're going to do, the adherence goes through the roof. So if you were a client, Tyler, I'd say so. I say to how many workouts are you going to get done this week, Tyler? Oh, I'm going to do three. Okay, cool. Do three. How many calories are you going to hit? And you tell me your calories. How many grams of protein are you going to aim for? Great. And you're going to track every day and you go, yeah. 
any reason why you can't make that happen over the next seven days? And everyone goes, yeah. So when you tell me and 10 other people on the call that that's what you're going to do, no one wants to come back in seven days time not having done what they said they'd do. And all I tell clients, if you do just what you said you'd do, guess what's going to happen? You're going to lose weight. And after two or three weeks, they're literally their eyes go up. They're like, oh my God, all I had to do was say, do what I said I was going to do and I'm losing weight. But if I said, right, okay, Tyler, listen up. I want you at the gym four times a week. I want you to hit in these calories. I want you to do this, this, and this. Like you might go and do that. But a little part of you subconsciously thinks, I don't like being told what to do. Like, I'm not going to do that. You might buck the system. But when you tell me what you're going to do, you know, they become empowered. And when someone's empowered on the right plan, that's when the results go through the roof. That's powerful. So they own it, basically. When They when, own it. When, when we yeah. say it, we own it. It's our, it's our thought. It's our directive that we're going to follow. And, and that, that's really a cool way of approaching it. Absolutely. Hey, before we wrap up here, I'm wondering, is there something you can share with the, uh, myself and the audience that can make our life better? A tip, a business tip, a life tip that can make our life better that we can apply today? Anything come to mind? Top of my head, I'm a big fan of reading. Big fan of reading. I, I don't think you can go wrong. I, what I love about books is in those 300 pages, roughly, give or take, there's maybe 30 years of experience boiled down to 300 pages and all you can go and get it for 10, 12 bucks from Amazon. Like that is, for me, is just powerful. Like it, we've heard the cliches, you know, readers are leaders or leaders are readers. And the more you read, the more you earn. And they're, they're cliches, but it's bloody true, isn't it? You know, people that don't read, they're missing a trick. And I teach my clients all the time. People say, oh, I don't have time to read. Okay, well, have you got 10 minutes? They go, yeah, I've got 10 minutes. Okay, read 10 pages today. 10 pages a day will equal 300 pages in a month. That's a book a month. That's 12 books a year. That's 60 books in five years. If you actually focused on one topic and read 60 books, you'd probably be educated in that subject more than 99% of the world's population. Now, when you break it down like that, you think, oh my God, I can actually become an expert in something. So I think anyone that's missing you know, reading, I just think also I try and learn something every day, whether it's from a person or a podcast or a book, always be a student of learning. And I think, I don't think you can go far wrong. I mean, that's such an open-ended question. I could, you could <laughs> spend hours. It's like trying to choose your own. If someone says, "Who? what's your most favorite child? Like, You've got one, but you don't want to pick one. Right, um, right. It's like, I could have given you a hundred answers there, but that was one that came to my head. Dude, no, that's great. I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of reading. I, I do it myself quite a bit. I probably have more books than I'll ever read in the rest of my life. There's just not even possible because I love books so much. I don't get to all of them. Do you have a book uh, planned for you personally? Do you see yourself writing one someday? Got one, Tyler. I have one. Ah, I saw that on your website and I thought it was an ebook. Did you know that? Or was that a little segue? I really did. It's a printed book. That's beautiful. It's a real physical book. And, um, but you know what? And I'm trying to write the second one. I say trying. I stop, start, stop, start. And I, and I used the, um, I had the pandemic was the perfect time, but I didn't write it. So it goes to show you've got to really be committed and have a dirty great reason why, because it wasn't time. So yeah, that's the GHG method. I published that. Of course, put those in the notes, but I do want, yeah, GHG method. Yeah. I just want to make sure we said the title of it so people know. Can you give just a little synopsis really quick about it? And then, and then we'll wrap up here. Absolutely. I basically, it's just my 12-week process into written form. Okay. So it's a mixture of uh, my backstory, tried to keep it amusing, 
physical tips, talk about calorie deficit, the best training to do, but a lot of the psychological, I remember we talked about the psychological aspect of self-limiting beliefs, self-esteem. So I, I would say it's, it's weight. My program is really weight loss, but with a, a life coaching edge to it. It's not just pure fitness and weight loss. A lot of people get to the end of my program and say, you know what? I actually learned so much more than just, I also lost 30 pounds as well. So it's really a great start. If people want to check that out. It's on Amazon uh, or they can go to the ghdmethod.com and get it direct. Yeah, I'll grab a copy. I, I saw it on your website and I, my bad, I thought it was an ebook and I just didn't have a chance to download it and uh, subscribe to it. So I'll definitely buy a copy and uh, let you know. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I, I was very proud of it. Although, weirdly enough, I look look back on it now, there's so much I would change. I, really? I read it and I'm like, oh, did I really put that? <laughs> it, but isn't it the same? Whenever you achieve a goal, you're like, okay, I've done that. And all I know, I now know when the second one comes out. I don't know when that will be, but when it does, and it will be when, it's going to be a lot better than the first one. So, yeah, awesome. In closing, I'll put your contact info in the show notes at thinktyler.com. But if we wanted to learn more about you or contact you, Gav, where's the best place to do that? Two options, really, either my website, gavgillibrand.com, or come and find me on LinkedIn. I'll be honest, I'm on there all day. I post three, four times a day sometimes. All my best content is on there. Without a doubt, for me, it's the best place to get in touch with me. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, same gavgillibrand, but for them, they're just a bit of fun, but LinkedIn is the place to be, yeah. Yeah, LinkedIn, your content there. I don't think I can give you enough accolades. It's entertaining. Oh, I appreciate that. You keep it real. It's really good stuff. So, hey, you way exceeded. I was excited about talking with you and you way exceeded it even more than I thought you could. So love talking with you. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. Once again, thanks, Gav. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, thanks for listening today. I wanted to ask you a few questions. Is your business running on all cylinders? The answer to this question for most business owners is often, no, it's not. So I'd ask that you pause for a second and just really think about that. Is your business hitting on all cylinders? Some signs that it may not would be you're working long hours, you're frustrated by the financial performance of your business, you know you need to build a high-performing team, but you're just not sure how to do it. If any of these things sound like areas that you could use improvement and get more out of your business, someone like myself, a certified business coach, you might benefit from greatly. I offer a free short intro meeting. You can book it at tylermeeting.com. That's T-Y-L-E-R meeting.com. The purpose of the meeting is just for us to get to know each other and see if possibly if I can help you. So go ahead and book that. Once again, it's tylermeeting.com. And last, lastly, and most importantly, I sure hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you're getting something out of them. I'm trying hard to have guests that can share their experiences and can help you grow your business, improve your personal life, and just get the freedom out of your business that you probably envisioned when you started it. So thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business.
Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.